Welcome back to Best Life of Your Life, the Be Loyal podcast with Aaron Keith Hawkins, where each episode brings you positive, useful and empowering perspective to help you create the best life of your life. Now here's your host, Aaron Keith Hawkins. Hey, there you are. Welcome back to Best Life of Your Life. Um, I want to, before we start today's episode, I got to take a second to say thank you so much for being here, for sharing the show, and for deciding to come back. I know there's a ton of different things you could be doing with your time, so many different podcasts that you could choose to listen to, so the fact that you keep coming back to hang out with me is absolutely amazing, and I sincerely appreciate it. So today, we're going to talk for a few minutes about how to pivot from anger to progress. And I know a bunch of people out there going, oh yeah, I need this one. Uh, trust me, I know in, the, in, in this past week, there's been several times where I've had to use one, two, three, yeah, all four of the steps that we're going to talk about today to just help me deal with life. And all joking aside, they were definitely helpful for me. And, I, and they're helpful not because I just they just popped into my head. Uh, to be honest, they're helpful because I try to use all four of these steps all the time. And as with anything in life, we only get good at what we practice. So I need to spell out that what we're going to talk about today, it's not conceptual. They're not, I don't intend for them to be just nice thoughts for you to say, ah, those are pretty nice ideas. I'm hoping that you'll take these, even if you just take them one at a time and actually use them because I sincerely believe they'll be helpful. You see, the emotion of anger usually, we can boil it down to three basic steps. The first step is the trigger, the actual thing that makes you mad. The second thing is the routine, the process we use to deal with anger. There was a study published a few years ago in Psychology Press, and one of the things they said that is that anger is an approach-related emotion, meaning the way we approach anger determines how we experience it. And what they were talking about there was our routine. What is our routine when we get angry? And the third step, believe it or not, is usually a reward. And that reward is usually either a feeling of safety, a feeling of significance, a feeling of assurance that we did something to protect ourselves when we were angry. And the funny thing is that sometimes we get into a habit, uh, a routine, and we chase this reward even if we know that it's actually a negative reward, even if it feels good in a moment. I think all of us kind of know or, or can understand what I'm talking about there. Sometimes if we take an action after we're angry, even if we know it was the wrong action, there is a sort of twisted sense of satisfaction when we're done. So my goal today is not to try to convince anyone to not be angry anymore. I honor our emotions. We're going to have them. And if we didn't have emotions, we wouldn't be human anymore. We would simply be robots. My goal here is to offer an opportunity to insert a new routine. Because at some point, we're going to have that trigger of, uh, we're going to have things that trigger us to anger. So if the routine you use right now to deal with anger isn't serving you, and even if you kind of think it is, I'm going to offer four steps that are really useful. And I think after you listen, you'll probably agree. So the first step in how to pivot from anger into progress is this. We must pause first. And why do we need to pause? 
because we want our actions to be based on our higher level intention as opposed to low level reactions. Because when we pause, we give ourselves a chance to breathe. We give ourselves a chance to relax the tension that we're feeling in our body at the time. We get a chance to get back onto the control panel. If you remember uh, any of you with kids, or even if you don't have kids, if you've seen the movie Inside Out, um, which was essentially a story about a little girl whose emotions, they were per- portrayed in this movie as little characters. So as, as this little girl Riley was going through her life, she had the emotions of joy, of uh, anger, of fear, disgust. They were all just different characters in her head. And whenever she would get mad, the car- uh, Lewis Black, he was a comedian that played the voice of anger, he would take over the control panel and just flip out, or at least he would try to. So the story was essentially about the struggle of these emotions and who would be in control. My point is our pause will allow us to gently excuse anger off the control panel. Because I sincerely believe we need anger. We need to know when something isn't right. But what we don't need is to allow anger to be making the decisions. Because if anger is making the decisions, then we don't have a life of control. That We don't have a life that we're controlling. Then we just have a life that's being controlled by emotion. Which, let's face it, is not the place we want to be if we're intending to create the actual best life of our life as opposed to just allowing life to happen to us. So if we're talking about control, let's get to step number two, which is we got to decide what outcomes do we want? What do we want our outcome to be after anger? If something happens, we got to decide, okay, now what? So the best way to answer this question is to get a little Stephen Covey going on. Uh, If you remember in his ridiculously famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the most famous nuggets of wisdom in there was begin with the end in mind. And I like to think of outcomes in three phases. Number one, what's my immediate outcome? What's my midterm outcome? And what's the long-term outcome I want? How do I want this situation resolved? I'll give you a simple example. Let's say you have a child that's a second grader. And they come home and they tell you that they got bullied in school. Number one, if they're crying and upset, you're probably going to be a little angry. Well, your short-term goal might be to find out and make sure that they're physically okay, that they're not hurt. Your midterm goal might be to get the whole story. Find out from A to Z what happened and what was done about it at the time. The long-term goal might be to monitor the situation, make sure it's not recurring, and develop a, the type of relationship with your child and your child's teacher or teachers so that when issues arise in the future, they're handled even more efficiently and more appropriately. My point is, if we focus on the outcome that we want, if we decide on an outcome, then we can start deciding where our focus needs to be. Is the thing that we were angry about, does it even matter? Like, what effect does this thing that has supposedly angered you, what effect does it have on your family, on your personal progress? What effect does it have on your lifestyle? Is it even relevant? Because when we start challenging ourselves to these questions, then we start developing a internal culture of personal leadership. We start pivoting from being led by emotion and instead actually being a leader that intelligently uses emotions to ask better questions. What's cool is one of the 
unexpected outcomes of this type of thinking is called uh, shrinkage. I mean, once you start deciding where to go from here, you're less worried about the emotion and actually the emotion starts to dissipate and you make a transition from emotion to decision. And that's when you totally step your game up. When you start living a life that, yes, you experience emotion and you don't deny how you feel, but instead of living there, you immediately feel that emotion and you start saying, okay, what do I do with this? What outcome do I want from this? That's when you really start taking control of your life. That's when you're in a range. That's when you're being a creator. I was listening to uh, Marie Forleo, or I should say watching Marie TV. If you don't know Marie Forleo, Marie Forleo, check her out on YouTube. She's, she's awesome. She teaches about business and she's got a lot of personal development mixed in with her business instruction. But she had an episode, it wasn't about anger, she had an episode about stress. And she was teaching a simple process that she does, which is simply to write down, make a list of whatever she's stressed about. And she says it results in shrinkage, which is a little awkward. <laughs> but she, she says it, it actually shrinks the problem because we all know when you're angry or in the case of the episode that she had, when you're stressed, each of those things, if you think about them, when they initially happen, they can feel like all-encompassing and overwhelming. But if you're stressed and you start making a list of what you're stressed about, or if you're angry and you start making a list, like I'm explaining here, if you start making a list of what your outcomes are, what do you want to have happen, short-term, mid-term, long-term, then you're thinking of your outcome. And, and you start letting go just naturally and organically letting go of the emotion and you start going towards an outcome. So that was number two. Decide what your outcome is. What outcomes do you want? And that's pretty cool. And it's actually pretty simple. Just deciding what your outcome is going to be. All right, let's jump to step number three. And this is a big one. We need to refuse to label. You know, I've been guilty of this myself. If I get angered by someone or something, we all just have a tendency at some point, we've all had a tendency to just label something or someone. Like if somebody does something that's just flat out mean or rude or insensitive, a lot of times we just tend to label that person as a jerk. And from that point on, that's all we think they are. But it's important that we, we set a rule within ourselves that we absolutely refuse to label someone. And we start living by the belief that every single action has a positive intention. And I'll never forget the first time I heard that. I thought it was absolutely one of the dumbest things I'd ever heard in my life. Like, what do you mean every action has a positive intention? I'll admit, I thought it was just flat out wrong. This is years ago. Uh, when I first heard this concept, it just, it just felt unnatural to me because there's so many horrific things that people do. How could they possibly have a positive intention? But here's the rub, and this is the best way I ever had it explained to me was as simple as this. Imagine you're home and you're looking out your window and walking down the sidewalk is a little kid, some little boy. And he's walking down the sidewalk. He's got his hands in his pocket. But as he, as he walks by the house across the street, he pulls out a rock, looks to his right and left, throws the rock through the front window of the house, and takes off running. Now, what would you say to yourself? How would you label that kid? Most people, if they're honest, and they saw that happen, would say, look at that kid. That kid is horrible. That's a bad kid. He just threw a rock through that window and took off running. But what if I told you that 10 minutes before that happened, that kid was pinned on the ground by a group of bullies, 
and they told him that they were going to beat him up and beat his little brother up every day if he didn't throw this rock through a window to prove himself. Every single day, he was getting beat up, and his little brother was going to get beat up. It would change the context. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but it changes the context, because even though the action is a negative one, it doesn't excuse the fact that he threw a rock through the window. The intention was to protect himself and to protect someone he loves. That was the positive intention. His intention was to, to be safe. Now, obviously, are there better ways that he could have dealt with the situation? Sure. He could have told a parent. He could have told another sibling. He could have reached out for help somewhere. There's no questioning that. So when I express this belief that I have that every action has a positive intention, I'm not saying that every action is positive. I'm saying somewhere, if you start dissecting the actions that people have and the act actions that people take and even the actions that often anger you, behind it all, somewhere, the people that are doing things that anger you, they're trying to satisfy a need. They're trying to satisfy something that in some way they're trying to reach a positive result for themselves. They may be doing it in a completely negative way, but there's something positive behind it. There's something they're trying to get out of it. And if we can allow ourselves to just just believe that, just to sort of separate the person from the behavior, stop putting labels on people and start having a little empathy and trying to, to understand what is it that they're trying to satisfy by doing this behavior, then we stop judging. And when we stop judging people, we find ourselves naturally experiencing less anger. Because let's be honest, what have you ever done and what have I ever done that could have easily got us labeled? I mean, have you ever yelled at somebody? Have you ever disregarded someone? Have you ever done, done something or taken some action that, in hindsight, you wish you hadn't done? I know I have, and I'm sure at some point you have also. So do you label yourself? Should I label myself? No, of course not. So if we start thinking of it that way, what sense does it make to label someone else? Sure, do people have behavioral patterns? Yes. Is it your job to fix all of them? No. But if we re-engage with our sense of humanity, we're going to realize that some people that are yelling or bullying or disregarding people's emotions, maybe they're not, maybe they're not just an evil person. Maybe they're trying to feel more relevant and they're constantly trying to do it in a negative way. But their, their need is that they just want to feel important. Look, it's real tempting for a lot of people out there to just want to tag it and bag it when it comes to labeling people and just being done with them. But you and I, I think we can agree that if we really want to start stepping our game up in life, we got to stop taking an easy way out of just labeling, labeling someone and sticking a tag on them and being done with it. And instead, we start getting curious about what's behind the symptom of their behavior. Not that it's our job to fix it, but at least then we can be, we can look for situations where we can help. Just like the story of the little boy throwing a rock through the window, maybe there's something we can do to step in and say, hey, what's really going on? Because I know you're a better person than this. What's really going on behind this action? Because in the long run, you know, if we refuse to label people, we start strengthening our relationships because we just stop judging. And instead, we start noticing we start noticing some behaviors in other people that we've at some point exhibited ourselves, And that leads me to number four. And the number four step in helping us pivot from anger to progress is asking ourselves in what way do the actions 
that have angered us reflect something about ourselves that we know we can improve and must improve. I remember years ago when I, was, I first started teaching back in the 90s, I had this pet peeve that used to make me so angry if I was in front of a group of people and I was teaching and I noticed someone not paying attention, I mean like completely ignoring what I was talking about, it would drive me nuts. I would take it as this personal affront against me. But as I got older and I started learning more and I started learning about the things that I'm teaching you here today, I started realizing that there was something in that behavior that I didn't like about myself. They were doing something that I had a tendency to do. Because I had a tendency, and not necessarily in the same situations, but I had a tendency to get distracted. Meaning, even though I knew I needed to focus on one thing, I would start drifting into something else. I would start jotting down notes about an idea, or I would be on my phone checking for a message that I was waiting for. And instead of being present and there with someone who was sharing with me, I would drift. And I didn't put that correlation together at first, but over time I realized it. And the fact was, that wasn't a pet peeve because of those people. That was a pet peeve because at a deeper level, I was seeing something about me that I didn't approve of. And once I realized that, I started working on myself instead of demanding that those people needed to change. So I challenge you, I humbly challenge you, next time you mention a pet peeve, ask yourself, what is it, even if it's in a different context, what is it, what is something that I do that's similar to this that I know I need to change, that I know I need to improve? And it may be challenging, it may even be uncomfortable, but you and I both know some of the best things in life come from uncomfortable challenges and meeting them. Life gets better when we step up. You know that. I know that. So I sincerely hope you take these four steps that we talked about today and use them, apply them. So let's run these down again. How do we pivot from anger to progress? Number one, we must allow ourselves to pause first. Let yourself pause. Let yourself breathe let your body relax and get back on a control panel. The only way we do that when we get angry is to take a moment to pause. And as a bonus tip about pausing, one of the biggest questions I often get is, how long are we expected to pause if we're mad? My rule of thumb answer, my easiest answer is, before you take any action, pause at least long enough that you feel the shift happen, that you go from anger to recentering and then allow yourself to move on to steps number two, three, and four. Number two, decide what your outcomes are, your immediate outcomes, your midterm outcomes, your long-term outcomes. What needs to come from this situation that's triggered you to anger? In what way does this situation need to be dealt with? Because many times you're gonna realize that it doesn't need to be dealt with at all. Let's face it, sometimes we get angered by some really trivial things. Somebody says something about you, you heard somebody said something about you. In those situations, it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect your life anyway. It has nothing to do with your goals, your progress, your lifestyle. And in those cases, you can just let it go. Number three, refuse to label. Remember, every single action that people take in some way has an intention, not necessarily an effect, but an intention that is positive. And if we act as if that's true, we start having some more empathy. We can actually start seeing the causes behind our behavior and other people's behaviors as opposed to judging the symptoms. 
And number four, if something makes you angry, take the challenge of asking yourself in what way do those actions reflect something about you? Because in most cases, you'll find a correlation and that allows you to make some changes and improvements that you, you know on some level you want to make anyway. If we do these things as uncomfortable and as different as they are, if we pause, we decide on our outcomes, we refuse to label, and we start reflecting on ourselves when we're angered, anger is no longer a burden that forces an uncontrolled reaction. Instead, anger becomes an opportunity, an actual opportunity for us to evaluate, to make some progress, and in many cases, make a contribution to ourselves and make a contribution to everybody around us. And when we start doing that, that's when we know we're creating the best life of our life. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me today. I can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and continue to create the best life of your life. Thank you guys once again for listening. I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you being here and helping grow this community. I know you've probably probably already shared this podcast with someone if you haven't yet, or if there's somebody else that pops in your head that you think may get something from the show like you have, shoot them an email, send them a text message, send them a link to the show, and tell them to subscribe and check it out. If there's one thing I know for sure, it's that this community will only grow with your help. So thank you, as I said earlier, so much for spreading the word as much as you guys have been already. It's been amazing. I appreciate you guys so much. You guys are the best. I'll talk to you soon.